257 post show. Show just ended about five, ten minutes ago, and my goodness, to say I'm surprised by the result would be kind of an understatement. I guess that's how UFC goes, and you know, I guess just human cockfighting in general is that uh, when you're putting on little four ounce gloves, you never know what's going to happen in there. Uh, the two fights that I predicted tonight, the main event and the co-main event, didn't go how I thought, uh, but uh, that's I'm not I'm not disappointed by it because my God, they're exciting and left us with a lot to talk about. Um, before I get into that, though. Uh, you know, this evening did start off with a, kind of a little stressful, a little annoyance. I don't know if anyone else watching the pay-per-view tonight spent the first hour frustratingly trying to get into the ESPN Plus app. Um, I don't know about you. I was angrily tweeting at Dana White at UFC at ESPN Plus. Um, it's just com- it's really funny because I feel like it was this pay-per-view that Dana White decided to make a big stink about a. Uh, you know, hey, illegal pirating streamers, like, we're going to fucking get you. And he was always, like, telling stories about, like, oh, it's always the same thing every single time. We get them, and they cry, and they beg. And it was like, motherfucker, illegal streams are the only reason people were able to watch the first couple fights. So that was completely frustrating, but I'm glad they figured their shit out because, uh, you know, like I was telling my wife, as long as they get the fights on for the co-main event and main event, I'm not going to have a complete shit show and ask for a refund. So they got their stuff together, but I mean, Dana White, dude, I mean, before you open your mouth and start talking shit about streamers, you got to get your own shit together and make sure that your streaming service is working because my God, I think that, you know, just tonight with that rough experience with people not being able to watch the fight, there's a lot of people that probably aren't going to order a UFC now just because of that. They're going to have the memory of, I tried to order the fight. I had friends over, I ordered food and I missed, you know, 40%, 50% of the card, which uh, is unacceptable, man. But, uh, you know, on, you know, that's just the, that's the only negative of the night, but let's move to the, the awesome fights that we got to talk, um, got to see. Um, let's first talk about the, uh, you know, let's fuck it. Let's talk about the main event, Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier too. Um, you know, the first fight. So, you know, almost six years ago, almost seven years ago, it went Conor McGregor's way. I felt like Conor McGregor, you know, this was his comeback fight. I felt like he was going to come in and beat Dustin Poirier. I thought he was going to do it quickly. Um, Conor McGregor was predicting within the first sec- 60 seconds. And, you know, if anything that I've learned from his career is is I've given him I, – I, he's earned my benefit of the doubt. So I just, you know, watching his interviews, he just seemed like he was in the best shape of the – you know, between the co-main event and the main event, which were both lightweight fights – he was the only guy that hit 155. All the other guys hit 156. So I just felt like, dude, he's he hit the championship weight. He's ready to go. I think he was going to come out and show out. And then the first round, like, that's what, what happened. You know, I think I was telling my wife, the only way Dustin Poirier wins this fight is if he makes it ugly, he pushes this fight later. And I just didn't think Dustin Poirier was going to do that because Dustin Poirier is someone who's known for being able to, to, to take the punishment, be able to deliver back and forth. And, um, you know, and be able to, I just didn't think that he was going to be able to eat the shots that Conor McGregor was throwing. And he had a really good strategy right off the bat, took Conor McGregor down. Um, it was just pretty much a clinch battle at the, in the, at the you know, first half of the first round. We're seeing, you know, Conor McGregor was able to get up, get in the dominant clinch position, hit Poirier with a couple of those really good shoulder strikes that he was able to hit Cerrone with in that um, last year. 
And so it was, you know, it was ugly, you know, it was ugly first round. And, you know, and that's exactly what Poirier wanted. But, you know, about like a minute and a half, you know, under two minutes left in the first round, Connor was able to break the clinch. And from that point, you know, when, when they're having their boxing exchanges, Connor was hitting him with, with bombs. I felt like he was hitting him with hard strikes. Like Poirier, Poirier was doing a good job of staying in the pocket, but it definitely felt like Connor McGregor, his punches definitely packed a little more power. And, um, you know, so I felt like when the first round ended, I was definitely feeling Connor was doing good. I felt like, you know, his strategy was working. You know, he was he was eating some calf kicks that I feel like I wasn't noticing as much in the first round. But then those that became the story of the fight over the next couple minutes in the second round. Because as soon as they come out, um, you know, Poirier chops, his, chops at his leg. And Connor's doing good at, uh, you know, hitting him with power shots. But immediately you can see that Connor's league leg, it's, it's beat red. And... You know, he went from not even checking any of the calf kicks to now, like, poor, he, poor, he's kept throwing them, and Connor's now trying to catch him. So it's obviously the calf kicks are in his head. And, you know, when your league leg is messed up like that, um, you know, calf kicks, I feel like, are one of the most underrated attacks in MMA because it doesn't look like much. But, you know, if your league leg is messed up, everything's messed up. Being able to defend takedowns is an issue. If you're if you're a wrestler and you want to go for takedowns, good luck with your lead leg being fucked up, and then just being able to strike. I don't know how you can be able to be comfortable striking and standing in the pocket when a dude's chopping you down. You know, a lot of times I try to think back to, um, you know, like about a decade ago when Jose Aldo fought Uriah Faber. I mean, you want to see a dude get his leg chopped down. That was one of the the best examples of that, and. It really, you could tell it got in Connor's head because next thing you know, Connor, he, where, with these power shots where he was doing very calm and composed and he was very precise and he was, boom, hitting Poirier good and making Poirier stumble. All of a sudden, Connor just starts throwing wild, you know, I wouldn't say wild haymakers, but haymakers that are just not hitting. And the thing is, is that when you're missing with shots like that and you're hitting air, you're losing way more stamina. I mean, when you're at least hitting something, you know, it's like you, you almost, it gives you momentum, but like by, he just kept missing shot, missing shot. And I'm sitting down taking notes while I'm watching the fight and I'm writing them down. I'm like, Connor's missing big shots. Not good. And next thing I know, I look up and Poirier is just piecing Connor together. And it's just like, and I'm just telling my, my wife has my son, they're, they're walking down the hallway and I just was like, it's done. It's done. And like literally a couple seconds later, they're pulling, they're pulling Poirier off and game over TKO round two. And, you know, I, I'm, you know, I, I I'm not going to say I'm completely shocked. I've been watching MMA enough to, um, to have seen enough upsets to, you know, and to understand that these guys are all elite athletes that train to literally hurt each other to inflict violence and with, and four ounce leather gloves, you never know what's going to happen. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I thought Conor McGregor, this was going to be uh, kind of like his coming back party, and it was just going to be him. Um, I thought it was going to be a Conor McGregor celebration, to be honest. So, um, But, you know, Dustin Poirier, he's a tough motherfucker. He's beaten some tough dudes. He's beaten Dustin Gaethje, Eddie Alvarez, Dan Hooker. And, uh, you know, I, I'm excited for some of the matchups coming up. And the guy that I'd like to see him fight is actually the guy who won in the co-main co event. So with the... Uh, with Michael Chandler and Dan Hooker, I thought that, um, you know, Dan Hooker, he had four, four inches in height and reach on Michael Chandler. 
in his the last time I saw him was that five round war with Dustin Poirier. He's a tough dude, and I was conflicted about who to pick because you know Michael Chandler. Like I, I've agreed with a lot of the journalists and a lot of the media with. Agree, I agree that he is and has been the best lightweight that's not in the UFC for the better part of a decade. Um, but I also agree that a lot of these fighters with a lot of hype outside of the UFC, they underwhelm on their debut. So I just felt like Dan Hooker was going to, you know, rain on rain on Michael Chandler's parade and break the UFC's new toy. But that's just not, that was just not going to happen. And that you could tell from the very beginning, Michael Chandler you know, controlled the center of the octagon. And you could just tell, like, I feel like when there's certain fights where you get to see, like, there is one guy who has all the power and the confidence versus another guy. And that just, you know, just doesn't, just doesn't look like you could just tell that, like, I feel like Michael Chan, like he was packing a punch. He knew, he knew he was going to win this fight. I felt like it was just like a, it was a prey. It, I mean, it was a hunter stalking its prey. And, um, you know, he bullied him from the whole time. Next thing you know, it was a beautiful ending. It was that that right to the body gets down to, to to leave his guard down, and then boom, right up with the left hook. And you know that was one of the most impressive UFC debuts I've seen in a long time. Um, someone that comes in with hype and comes in and proves that no, he's not just hype. He's the real fucking deal. And let's be real, I think it makes interesting matchups in the in the lightweight division. I mean, I, Michael Chandler had an, a really awesome promo after. He called out Khabib. He called out Connor. He called out Poirier. Um, so there's a lot of matchups that he, that, that he can have. You know, you also have Charles Oliveira, who um, last we saw, he just completely dismantled Tony Ferguson, um, which was completely surprising because, you know, people don't do that. You know, there's still got Justin Gaethje. So there's so much at 155. Uh, me personally, you know, I'd love to see if Khabib's truly done. I'd like to see Poirier and Michael Chandler go at it. But you know, if Khabib wants to stick around, I'd love to see him fight Michael Chandler. I think Michael Chandler has shown um, that you know he's not just hype, and with the work that he's done outside the UFC, I think he's completely earned a title shot. And I would, you know, I'd pay to see it. So um, <laughs> if it was me, you know, Michael Chandler, uh, you know. Michael Chandler Khabib is definitely like probably my first option, but if that's not possible, let's get Poirier and Chandler. So I don't know. Uh, UFC 257 started off rocky, missing the first couple fights with the crappy stream, but at the end of the day, picked it up with some good fights. Um, so yeah, tell me what you guys think. Uh, did you guys were you guys happy with the fights? Do you guys think that uh, you know what, what do you think's next for Conor McGregor? You know, personally, me, I I think he, he's done because I think that if he would have won, I think there's still, you know, he, he would have given an incentive to come back. But I don't know. It's just he's still a draw. He, I would I would a trilogy fight with Diaz would still be good. You know, him fighting Gaethje would be good. But I mean, this is a guy who with his proper 12 whiskey, he's making enough money and, you know, uh I think it was Marvin Hagler. It said it's hard to wake up and keep training for boxing when you're sleeping in silver she- or when you're when you're sleeping in silk sheets. And that's the thing, Conor McGregor. He's driving Rolls Royces. He's you know lives in mansions, and you know he's got a third kid coming along. And I don't know how much longer he's realistically want to keep doing this. So, um, you know, was this the last time we saw Conor McGregor? 
I think this is that, or at least this is the last time we saw him in any bit of um, in anticipation of championship, you know, aspirations. I think if we see Conor McGregor anymore, it's going to be more, um, you know, Manny Pacquiao fight. I think Jake Paul sideshow things. So, I mean, if we want to do a wait and see, you know, come back and revisit, I think Conor McGregor's next fight is going to be more of a sideshow than something to advance his championship, you know, pedigree or aspirations. So I, I see him more likely fighting Jake Paul or Manny Pacquiao than fighting the Justin Gaethje or uh, Tony Ferguson. As far as I'm, yeah, because, I mean, he's a rich made man. He doesn't need to be fighting these savages in the UFC octagon anymore. But, uh, yeah, so now I'm officially done. Let me know what your, your thoughts are, what you think's next for Connor, what you think's next for Poirier, what you think's next for Chandler. What's next for Hooker? Um, yeah, so hope you guys have a good rest of your Saturday night um, or Sunday morning. And uh, yeah, have a good one, guys.